thanks to Crime Malt. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News. And once again, he's back, the man himself, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back, my good friend. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Good to be back and to keep being back. Yeah, it might have been a little bit um, obvious or overt, me saying my good friend at the end of that. But you know how our listeners get sometimes? Um, they worry, worry there's a little bit of niggle or a little no. bit of mum and dad fighting. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So I, so I didn't want to drop the, uh, the, the my friend bit suddenly. Um, no, nah, fair enough. No, no, no need to leave the room, kids. Mum and dad aren't going to fight. <laughs> but it, it wasn't an afterthought. But mate, how, how you been? How's your week? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, had a, um, a couple of interesting new beers, which um, oh, yeah, 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 three pub circuits. I don't know if you get them up, but uh, at first choice liquor up your way, or through. Uh, they're the Coles brand, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, but I did notice one next to it, which was which was called um, uh, oh, uh, Urban Urban something uh, Double Hopped Lager, which if you read the I love a bit of Double Hopped Lager. Yeah, the very fine print is is Australian beer connoisseurs. But um, it was just interesting giving it to Mrs Pilsner and uh, sorry, showing Mrs Pilsner the, the that bottle <laughs> and, and a, two or three bottles and saying you know. Tell me which, you know, and it was interesting what she picked as, oh, this looks like it's trying to be craft. This one, this one, I would say is, you know, is, a, is an independent, you know, craft sort of beer. And so it was interesting to see, yeah, what uh, I guess, you know, a layperson uh, sees in the, that we perhaps automatically pick up, you know, the, the cues and, and the, the, the clues and that sort of thing. Um, not, certainly not, the, 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 um, the, the lager wasn't overly, it was a lager. Uh, but the the Colchon, the artisan ale from the three pub circus, and again, you know, it's interesting. Last week, listening to Ben talk about uh, what the, I guess, what the marketing tells you, what your story is, and that sort of thing, and you know, life's a circus, and you know, well, no, it's not. The circus is a, you know, in, in terms of three pub circus, is yeah, it's a, <laughs> oh no, it's, it's not the bear in the car. Um, it's uh, a. <laughs> Uh, do, 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 do. I'm stuck in Homer's head now. Um, it's it, it, yeah, it's it's a massive story that's been made up by marketing people and that sort of thing. Having said that, the Colch was very drinkable, if if a little bit pedestrian. It was it, it lacked the finesse uh, of say uh, Red Hill Golden Ale, which I always also had uh, one of this week, and very different to um, you know clunky compared to say the uh, the smoothness of the the Green Beacon Colch. But the interesting one was their artisan ale, which was uh, a beautiful, big, uh, aromatic galaxy bomb, um, 150 Lashes uh, Pacific Ale uh, knockoff. Um, and, and very unashamedly. And it was actually not a... It, like, certainly wasn't a terrible beer. It was, it was very well-crafted, but it was very interesting to see them, you know, clearly aiming at that um, in, in terms of calling it an artisan ale and then... It, I wasn't expecting reading the blurb. I wasn't expecting uh, anything like a Stone and Wood Pacific Ale. So that that was a yeah. sneaky one. So who makes? I'm trying to think because I know that Asahi was making the Coles beers uh, you know, down at Laverton. Steam rail. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I assume that it's coming out of um, out of the same facility as, as in like a almost like a maybe a. Not that we got caught out with steam rail, but maybe we need something that looks a bit more, I don't know, uh, artisan. Well, steam rail's still available. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've seen it around. So, you know, they're just sort of adding to the brands. But it, it, it is a nice little segue to the discussion that we had last week um, 
with Ben Krause. And uh, there's been some great uh, follow-ups. James Atkinson did a, a story on the post on, Mon- on on the podcast on Monday, and uh, it's generated some great discussion. Um, you know, uh, bringing out uh, thoughts about it. Um, yeah. You know, I don't. You know, I don't want to go back into the whole man love thing, but you know, Ben Krause is one of those guys that. He's got very strong views and he acts on them, as we've seen in this case. But, you know, as listeners would have heard last week, he didn't necessarily want to finger point anyone in particular. No, um, no. You know, he sort of hinted at, at the problem and who the sorts of people would be, but wouldn't not actually calling people out, um, which is like a, a very polite way of doing it. Um, but we are seeing more and more, um, you know, you, you would expect beers made by Asahi at the Laverton brewery you know and they've been knocking out uh you know mountain goats for years and um, they make a whole lot of beers under under contract and you would expect anything yeah, that arms exactly to, to to come out under there to be you know very good quality and i guess that's the thing that uh someone like coles or woolworths uh wants to do they don't want to target the you know thinnest part of the market they want to target the you know if they want to target the golden ale style, they want to go after the fat part of the style, you know, the, the fat part of the market um, where there's a, so, you know, um, most fish, fish to catch. Yep. I'll put my teeth back in. Um, so, yeah, but that, and mate, there, there are a whole lot of people I bump into every day that, you know, whilst they love to say, oh, mate, this is made by Woolworths, um, they're still scanning the catalogs each week to see which of the international lagers is on sale or, you know, who's got the best deal on, a, a golden ale um, that they know is good enough to drink, yeah. and you yeah. know, um, so that they don't care. You know, when, when it comes down to dollars or principles, they're quite happy to you know save a few bucks on on a beer that is there or thereabouts. Yeah, and uh, look, quick shout out to uh, the other beer that really surprised me this week was um, although I, well, I shouldn't say surprise, uh, but the Mornington Peninsula have brought out a new lager. Uh, which um, I got a message from their sales guy, Michael, who uh, who said it's the second biggest seller. Um, so it, it's just absolutely powering along. It proves that you can have um, character and flavour and uh, a taste and interest in subtlety, wrapped up in subtlety with a with a lager. And yesterday down here in Melbourne, 40 degrees, um, it, it was, and it, it's only got down to just under 30 degrees overnight. So I've just put the rest in to chill for this afternoon. Um, it, it absolutely hit the spot. So the, the, big shout out to them. Um, I tried, not for the first time, but I had the Norton Lager this week. From so Holgate? From Holgate, yeah. yeah. It, it, quite often I'll, I'll see beers like this in the fridge that I haven't tried for a while and just sort of wonder yeah, how they're travelling because Brisbane is a bit of a, a, a way and it's always good to just take a sample. And mm. uh, gee, it was tasting nice, you know, beautifully balanced uh, well-made lager, so that, that was quite good. Yeah. Not quite 40 degrees up here this week, but it's been 30 with a uh, you know, sort of fair whack of humidity uh, up here, so it was a very nice beer. Um, and I've also had a few homebrews thrust in my hands of uh, late. So um, guys who are homebrewing and thinking of going pro that, you know, always, you know, it's, I think it's a little bit like being a doctor at a dinner party where everyone wants to show you their mole. Um, to, <laughs> what? what, what Maybe, maybe, maybe more Insert taste. your own gag there, <laughs> uh, listeners. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, been very impressed by uh, the, the quality of some of the homebrew, um, which is quite good. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think of apart from else. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where you go from showing your doctor your mole to. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I do get what you mean. And and, and look, there are probably uh, shout out to good friends at uh, at the Post Project, um, Alistair Robbie and Rob Rominski, who uh, often uh, regale me with with tales of people who engage a creative, you know, rather like if you went to a, you know a plumber and said, "I've got this toilet block, can you please fix it?" Yep, here's the bill. When you get to creative people, and I guess we're in that, uh, in a, in a, to a lesser degree, um, where people will come up to you and go, mate, can you just do this for me? Just a couple of hours, you know, just put some effort, you know, I don't want to for anything. Can you just, just kind of show us, you know, and, and then if I'm happy with it, maybe I'll buy something. And yeah, mm. but you, you wouldn't do that to the, the lawyer. Can you, can you run the case? Um, look, yeah, I just want to see how it's going to work out. And if, you know, look, if the judge rules in our favour, then fine. Um, but if not, you know, can we kind of have a mulligan? Can we? You, ask for a do-over you just you just wouldn't do it and yet creative people seem to to, to cop it quite a bit that uh mate, can you just you know as a mate you know just do some stuff for free so and but it, it, it and it is one of those things like when you're very time poor because you, you, you beer is a community everyone wants to help each other out yeah, um yeah. but yeah so, do you, do you but, find uh, too though matt when people do give you samples of this you know it's it's, it's like you know can you not test run my wife, but you know, like it's like, can you give me an honest opinion on on this? Is you know my heart and soul. You kind of feel a bit obliged to. Uh, I, I, it's difficult to sort of say. It, you can't just say it's good or it's not good. You need to kind of justify it. There's a bit of pressure. It is very very hard to. Um, so I mean, the, the worst place to sample a beer is in the brewery with the, the brewer, particularly when you like him. Um, and you know, there's a whole lot of talk about you know principles being compromised in journalism and, and that sort of thing. I, I find that the greatest pressure I ever feel um, on when giving a beer review, it's one of the reasons I hate reviewing beers, is personally liking the brewer and having to give honest feedback on his beer. It's, it's a little bit like saying, oh, you know, that, that, that child of yours, you know. <laughs> the ugly uh, one. Yeah. The, <laughs> Jizzy needs the a bit of work. <laughs> Jeez, I hope that's a bit better by the time it gets into the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, actually, speaking of uh, trying new beers <laughs> in the... you're going to say, uh, speaking of ugly kids. <laughs> no, I've met your kids. And they are very, very attractive children. They look like uh, Mrs Pilsner. So... Uh. Fortunately, but uh, no. Speaking of um, trying a beer in the brewery with a brewer that you like, I stopped in at Bolter last week. Uh, Scotty Hargraves and uh, tried out the uh, XPA um, that he's put together. Um, and mate, I tell you, look, I I, I do you, caveat you this. You don't, you don't often glow, Matt, in uh, in social media, but I, I I I felt that that the beer that touched your lips was a cracker. Oh, look, it it absolutely was, and I, I guess that's where you've you've got to sort of prefer you know preference by saying I was I love Scotty, uh, you're very excited about the brewery. I was in the brewery, um, which has a little bit of that you know bintang effect thing where you know you're in Bali, so bintang tastes good. Yeah, um, let's let's call it the halo effect. The, the halo effect, but even uh, allowing for that, it was an absolute cracker. Um, so really, really excited about it. Um, they're due to launch in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and it, it was an interesting um, experience because I went from Bolter, which is down at Crumbin, to then the official opening of Burley Brewing's new brewery. And, um, you know, you'd expect the brewery Bolter, which is owned by the four surfers, the four, you know, world champion or, you know, they're there or thereabouts surfers, um, to be bedecked in surfboards and surf paraphernalia. Surf culture. It wasn't a surf 
yeah, there, there was a surfboard to be seen. There was a beautiful um, banner that had been painted that was a pay into the Gold Coast as opposed to surfing. Um, the inside of the warehouse uh, has been um, lined with bricks that have been salvaged from an old demolished Melbourne warehouse. So it's got that beautiful dark brick with the light um, mortar in between, but it doesn't look like a Melbourne warehouse space. Um, and does, does, uh, it, just, does it give that kind of feel, but it doesn't look like it's been created in, in order to give that feel? Exactly. Yeah. So, so, but it, but it, yeah, certainly not, you know, Hey, let's transplant a Melbourne laneway to yeah. the Gold Coast. Um, cause it's, it feels very much, uh, you know, in, in, in place. And, uh, it's a beautiful bar, very welcoming. It's about the size, uh, prof, you'll remember Green Beacon, which is, you know, fits about a hundred. Yeah. Um, in, in, in the, the tap room. Not very wide, but quite long. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, they've got the the boys have got the boardroom upstairs that looks down on the brewery, and uh, yeah. So, but, but no surf uh, paraphernalia at all. Go to Burley, which is another. Um, you know, Brennan Fielding uh, comes from Hawaii, loves to surf, loves the beach, and there are surfboards all over the place. So it was just an interesting parallel, but uh, between the two Gold Coast breweries, one owned by surfers and not a surfboard to be seen. But uh, Burley Brewhouse, it, it is huge, Prof. Uh, uh, they've been. I don't think you've ever been to Burley Brewing. No. Okay, so you, you know the sort of uh, tilt slab construction uh, warehouse spaces where you've got a central yeah. parking area and then you've got warehouse, you know, sort of uh, units, industrial units yeah, around the central area. Yep. Similar uh, to Bacchus, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, Hill down in Melbourne's the same. Uh, and I think even, even they, Temple uh, is, is in that. that. Exactly, that sort of thing where you've just got those tilt slab, concrete. Yeah. Um, and a few neighbours on the side. And a few neighbours either side. And Burley started eight years, eight or nine years ago with, I think, two of the units that they squeezed in the brewery and gradually built an office and uh, had a tiny little bar. And as they've grown, they've sort of leased, um, you know, as they become available, they lease the next and then the next and then the next, uh, punching holes through all of the walls, walls as they go. Yeah, uh, I like Camden Town Brewery. Yeah, yeah, and I think they ended up taking about nine, um, and there was one in the middle that they had to skip. So they had the, uh, I, I think they had sort of storage on one side, then all the others, and um, eventually they they bit the bullet and uh, found a within the same area, which is a couple of hundred meters up the road, a new warehouse, and uh, it's it's massive, it's uh, beautiful. So uh, no, it's, congratulations to Burley. It's great to see them expanding and uh, going on. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was nice to get down the Gold Coast and see um, the beers, but look. The, I, I tell you what, uh, Prof, um, we might have to get in, um, Scotty on um, to have a chat about the whole idea of the XPA. Now, we've had a little bit of a um, laugh about session IPAs uh, in the past and mm -hmm. be essentially being just an unbalanced pale ale, um, whereas the XPA is that pale American-style pale ale, and Scotty's uh, is an absolute cracker. And he, in fact, invited us to come down and broadcast from the tap room because he remembered that we uh, had some interest in that. Yeah, yeah. And he's very keen for us to come along. So, um, yeah, so now I guess the one other story that we wanted to chat um, about this week um, was a story that James Atkinson did looking at the complaints um, about the alcohol advertising. And the Bavarian Beer Cafe uh, has moved away from its risque adver advertising that saw uh, more complaints upheld uh, under the Alcohol Beverage Advertising Code than any other. Um, there were seven complaints against advertisers in 2015 and three related to the German beer bars owned by the Urban Purveyor Group. Uh, mate, have you, have you seen 
any of these? Uh, at the ads? Or did the ads or been to the Bavarian Beer Cafe? Uh, yeah, but, yeah, been to the, the Bavarian Beer Cafe. Uh, now, been once in Brisbane. Uh, I'm just trying to think which, because, and one in Melbourne. No, mm. no, I don't think, no, and I'm thinking, of, sorry, I'm thinking of the European Beer Cafe, which I think is different. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard to in, say. Uh, but, uh, in uh, Exhibition Street, Russell Street. Russell, mm. Exhibition, Exhibition Street um, in Melbourne. But, but I don't know if it's the same, if that's the same one. But they've, no, rebrand, they've rebranded now as Munich Brauhaus, haven't they? Which we also well, have. Yeah, and, and getting into craft beer and sort of getting the craft beers made uh, under contract here. Um, so I actually haven't been in for a while. Um, again, it's it was one of those things. I, I, I loved the venue in the sense that they had great beer. Um, the food was, you know, German, very strongly German influenced with a touch of contemporary appeal. So you're not just getting, you know, stodgy German fare. Yeah, um, dumplings. But it was, and- yeah. You were getting those, but in a sort of you know modern contemporary dining fair, um, and I, I, I loved that. You know, I loved getting beer out to the people, and the beer was always very fresh and tasted great. But there was always that feeling that it was, you know, the, the size of the venues and the way that they pump people in, and um, that the emphasis was on consumption, and you know, it had the feel of a nightclub, yeah, um, as opposed to a place that really celebrated the better, you know, the, the better aspects of drinking yeah it was more yep. um you know and then you know i'd noticed over and actually in full disclosure i've done some work for them in the past uh you know they've had me host events for the tapping of the Oktoberfest. um but even then you know I, I think i sort of stopped doing any work for them when i raised some concerns about two years ago um about just the nature of their Oktoberfest advertising which was you know fat yobby blokes in singlets you know getting piss fit um, or you know, getting fit for Oktoberfest with, with, with the underlying message, get piss fit so you can you know, write yourself off. And uh, so there has been this progressive decline. Um, and it was interesting that there was a lot of uh, complaints under the ABAC um, code about it. But what's, what, what's most interesting is they're you know, under this new craft EA, you know, they've got the old beer professor. Um, and again, Professor um, Einstein. Which again, you know, look, it, it may not be your cup of tea, but it's still, you know, I, I thought that was quite clever. Okay, well, you know, well, we're on clever and well, we're on shout outs. A shout out to, to our very own uh, editor, James Atkinson, for his We've Axed Lowbrow Advertising, says Bavarian Group, Lowbrow, L O W B R A U, which I thought, yes, yeah, just slid that one through and that, that, that went down beautifully. Yeah, no, I thought it was very clever. But, uh, yeah, so on one hand, they've got this uh, craft A, which, you know, again, it, 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 it may be, you know, not, not the, the craft beer purist uh, point of view, but it's getting out to a market. But then they... Uh, have, have they changed that much, though, Matt? Oh, we're going to go for well, more crafty, but then we're still going to have titty girls. Well, that, that's when it came across my desk because I approached us about doing some advertising and we sort of, you know, knowing what their form was, we asked, uh, you know, look, what's your, um, you know, what's the campaign? And suddenly they said, oh, well, we want to unveil the personalities of each of our beers. And so they've got the Hop Doc Wheat Beer um, and it's Naughty Nymph, which is meant to be a take on a, I, I think it's that, you know, sort of 1940s. Yeah, oh, the okay. 1940s pinup. You know, this is a girl. So on, not Homer's Odyssey and not Homer Simpson, but as in, it's not like Odysseus and all those Greek myths. No, no, this is a no. This is a like it, it's a 1940s pinup girl. You know that you used to see on the nose of bombers and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. 
So this is, this is more a girl in every port rather than a shout out to uh, ancient Greek literature. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, they were sort of talking about classy pay-ins to, you know, classy, you know, retro pin-up girls. But they still sort of have managed to make them look like slutty pin-up girls, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. So, look, again, everyone has their own cup of tea. Prof, uh, I know that we've discussed it in the past, you know, me personally, anything that elevates beer without making it pretentious, I'm all for. So, you know, it doesn't uh, all for, have to all for, be... Yeah, don't take, don't, let's not disappear up our own ass by taking ourselves way too seriously. But there's there's a, the other end to that extreme uh, where I think we can give the, yeah, the, the wrong impression, I guess. And, 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 and in terms of crossing the line, there is a very, very broad line to be crossed because I remember up here there's a brewery called All In Brewing. Um, that started and they had some pinup girls the, as the models for their um, beers. Yeah. And there, yeah, there was some a of those at, uh, Bloodhound Bar, I think. Yeah, and, and one up. Brisbane blogger called them out for you know being sexist and terrible and all of those sorts of things, uh, you know, and just really tore strips off them and created quite a discussion because a lot of women came out and said actually they're not too bad, and I think the brewery owner's girlfriend didn't think they were too bad, and you know or may even have designed them if I'm remembering correctly, but it was certainly um, very much you know a split decision on whether it was sexist or not. Yeah. Um, they were probably a little bit classier. Same sort of thing as the uh, Bavarian beer cafes, but probably not as slutty. Um, yeah. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. But again, you know, one person's sexism is another person's, you know, classy and, uh, you know, elevating. So it, it yeah. Um, and, and even the, even the you know like the 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 artfully designed and and well executed, um, uh, you know, retro style painting and that's you know a, a depiction but then to, if you throw in blonde moment as the name of your beard is is, is that then kind of I, yeah that, that, that's just another, is it saying something uh, about your beer or the people drinking it or yeah and that's the thing yeah so you, you sort of see that the the graphics and then the sort of things that there is this sort of building up of, ex of exactly what they're pointing towards um but again it's you know look i, I work for the um i do some work for the Oktoberfest up here which is one of the biggest mm. Oktoberfests in in the southern hemisphere i believe and uh you know great people they're they're germans they're trying to create a german cultural festival and you turn up there and the wife of one of the directors of the company has a dirndl stand there um you know authentic uh barbarian dirndls and these are just you know, beautiful. They are you know, beautifully made, and the the women who are wearing them look incredibly elegant. So so much um, so that you know, my partner ended up buying one last year because she just thought these dirndls were beautiful. And you know, they they are very striking. But then you've also got that whole slutty dirndl, which is the you know German equivalent of the French maid. You know, the sexy yeah. French maid out yeah. there that you see in uh, naughty but nice stores. And so the same thing. It's just you know. Either ends of the continuum. Uh, look, I guess the numbers will tell the story. If if that you know if it brings new people to craft beer and it, it gives the you know it, it promotes that impression that it's it's different to you know um, cookie cutter mainstream you know highly industrialised um, pump it out quickly kind of beer, uh, then you know maybe we eat our words or drink our then it, our words in beer form. Yeah. 
Then again, the, the day after International Women's Day, we've got two middle-aged white blokes talking about feminism and sexism. Um, Shout out to the Pink but... Boots girls too, who um, <laughs> on for International Women's Day pumped out a couple of tasty brews, in one in um, Melbourne here at White Rabbit, one at uh, which is a nice link into our guest today, and one uh, up at the Rocks in Sydney that I know yeah. of. But I think there might have, but, I don't uh, know if there's one in WA this year. I didn't see one. No. I saw lots of pink on my uh, feet, but uh, yeah, not not quite sure. But uh, w- w- what I was going to say is, rather than have two you know, middle-aged white blokes uh, talk about feminism and possibly get ex- you know, accused of mansplaining or whatever, um, Pia Poynton, our uh, w- WA often commenter and Girl Plus Beer um, blogger, um, she actually did weigh in on the, the uh, crafty story career, and said, yeah, yeah um, agreed the new campaign versus the crafty... The new campaign versus the crafty Bavarian beers feels quite at odds with each other. The latter making the new campaign feel like a move they felt they had to and thus gave it lip service. I failed to see the branding connection between a craft Bavarian-inspired beer and a 50s pinup girl. For me, this is a huge disconnect that makes no sense and that's without going into the boring adolescent, off-putting nature of each beer illustration description. If these beers find their way to WA, I doubt I'll be trying them. So that was a pretty good uh, sum up. And it's not from us. There you go. So, yeah. Um, actually, speaking of mans- mansplaining, Pete. Um, Isn't that where my... you take up two seats on the train? That's manspreading. Oh, okay. It's a, 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 another one of the terrible things that men do. But uh, I had, I, I, I'm just waiting for there to be a name for um, teenage splaining because uh, my 14 year old. Isn't that where daughter... you have to tell your daughter something eight times and they still don't get it? Or is that explaining? No, no. that, <laughs> That's called parenting. Yeah, um, I guess you're right. No, it, it was more my 14-year-old girl explaining the Beatles to me the other day, um, <laughs> you know, as, if I'd, <laughs> as if I'd never heard of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we Every, all... Ev- I, everyone makes a discovery and, you know... I, listen, yeah, I, look, I get a bit of the same thing when I've got the girls in the car and they go, oh, this great new song. And I said, no, this was boring when, you know, back in the 80s. <laughs> oh, is this an old song? Yes, it is. And I, I guess that's the thing. We all get patronised at times based on assumptions made because of our age or our gender or, or whatever. So, anyway. Um, it's all good. It's all good. Let's have a guest. Uh, now, let's, let's have a guest. In fact, two. We've got two. We've got... Uh, now, Prof, you've uh, teed up these guys. So, I, I have to be honest that until you told me that we were having Watts River Brewing on, uh, being in Brisbane, they hadn't quite penetrated up here um i wasn't terribly aware of them so uh... no, and look not even sort of uh, they're, they're around and about or starting to get around and about um in melbourne but i just figured that you know let's get in you know yeah before they're big and then they you know they can't talk to us they you know they can't find the time so yeah get them get them when their their star is in the ascendancy you know when they're just in their in their very formative years and um no let, well and and for, for all intents and purposes, or for, for the purpose of the discussion, the they that we're referring to are Ben Hamilton and Aaron Mumberg. And let's hear in their own words who they are. I'm Aaron. Um, yeah, co-director and one of the owners of What's River Brewing at the moment. Um, got into brewing because I hated teaching that I was studying. I did a music degree and then got sick of that and just applied to a few breweries to, you know, clean kegs and do whatever I could because that's what I really wanted to do. Were you home brewing before then? Yeah, so I was yeah coming home from work and home brewing a lot to you know de stress. So I figured yeah let's just do this for a job. So um, yeah, approached a few 
local breweries. Eventually got a position at um, Hargrove Hill for a bit and started working at White Rabbit at the same time. Ended up working there full time and yet met Ben there and worked there for probably four years and then they kind of moved the brewery. So we decided to yeah start our own production. And how about you, Ben? What's your background in brewing? Um, yeah, so I've been been home brewing for oh, 20 years or so, since I was 18. Um, and then just, I used to be a botanist ecologist and then home brewing kind of took over. So I decided to switch over to brewing beer as a career. Got my first uh, professional job at Red Hill Brewery. Worked there for a couple of years and then switched over to White Rabbit when they opened in Hillsville. And when they moved out, um, yeah, we decided to start our own brewery. So, yeah, been brewing a while. But if you've been brewing, home brewing for 20 years, you've, you've uh, really come through um, you know, the, 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 the whole craft beer thing. So it, it sounds like you've been brewing in the... Uh, in, in the era BLC, which is before Little Creatures, which is one of those dates that we used to fix the modern craft brewing scene. Um, what what got you into brewing 20-odd years ago? Ah, uh, it was a friend just decided to brew some beer, so I jumped in and, and we did a few brews together. It was um, sort of nasty can kit stuff back in those days. But, uh, what, was it the university uh, thing, you know, trying to get the 25-cent... Uh, stubby your beer? Yeah, pretty much. We were just after making cheap beers. So that was in, like, at the end of high school when we did that um, up in country yeah, Victoria. I was, was going to say, a reputable source within the craft beer industry uh, tells me that, yeah, it, it was perhaps bordering on the cusp of um, legal drinking age when you when you first yeah, started. Yeah. It was at the end of VCE. Um, it was, I was definitely legal drinking age when I started home brewing, so... Um, yeah, I turned 18 in early year 12, so oh, it's okay. it, was all, it was all good, <laughs> all from my point of view, so not about my friend. <laughs> so, Ben, what was it about, you know, if you're just getting in for the cheap uh, and nasty, what was it about home brewing that really fired your imagination? Um, oh, I just, oh, pretty much, I like the raw material side of it, I suppose, because I grew up on a a farm that produces barley along with other grains. So just seeing the whole process from from the paddock to the glass really interested me. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, we just tried doing whole grain stuff probably 10 or 12 years ago um, and when grain and grape were at the old site and just, yeah, loved it and just wanted to pursue it, I suppose. So... Just loved how yeah. the raw ingredients would would flow through to the final product. And and what do you remember drinking back in those days? You know, because I I, I guess I compare. Um, and Pete and I have been sort of kicking around for long enough um, that I, I just sort of look at the way um, you know, people that maybe have discovered craft beer and brewing and home brewing in the last four or five years when they've been surrounded by. Um, you know, a world of beer. So you go into a bottle shop and it's very easy to select styles that you may want to emulate or that provide inspiration. But if you go back 20 years ago, you know, that was really, you know, because it was little before Little Creatures, you maybe had uh, some Matilda Bay if you went looking for it. You know, you probably had Cooper's um, Stout and Cooper's uh, Sparkling on, on the shelves, but you did, and maybe a couple of the imports, like you might have 
seen Duval or uh, you know, so some of the Belgian beers or some of the uh, you know, Hobgoblin beers, you know, some of those sort of slightly now English beers. Um, what, what were you drinking back at the time that you started home brewing? Oh, mostly dirty, nasty stuff. But um, I'd, yeah, a bit of Coopers and stuff when when I could get my hands on it. And, and yeah, other than, other than that, I, yeah, it was hard to get good craft beers back in those days. So, um, so yeah, I'd just drink whatever I could get my hands on pretty much at the time. <laughs> So, so, so what uh, and, and what styles were you brewing? Just whatever the Cooper's kit was, or I presume it was Cooper's kit, or just uh, one of the can kits that were going on. Yeah, so I just do. Oh, yeah, back in the can days, I just make whatever the can said in the early early days. But as I got more interested and moved to all grain, well, um, I yeah do a lot of American pale ales and and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, just just about getting good ingredients, I suppose, back then was more difficult. And like you'd go in the home brew shops and they'd have the hops sitting out of the fridge and all that back in those days, whereas you don't see that anymore. So, um, yeah, we'd, I'd try a lot of different things, though. So I made lagers, ales, whatever. Yeah, no, I just find that uh, fascinating because you, you speak to guys like um, Eight Wide Soren Erickson and he talks about trying Little Creatures Parallel and that just completely changing his view of beer and you know, inspiring him to change careers and uh, get into home brewing. And I'd, I just sort of wonder what the inspiration is. And do, do you have beers that inspire you now? Maybe because it doesn't sound like uh, it was specifically this idea of crafting something um, you know, new and unique or flavoursome back in the day? Or it sounded like it was just uh, brewing what was available to, to drink at, at an affordable price. What inspires you these days? What inspires me these days? Oh, mm. I, oh, just making quality, consistent beers is um, really appeals to me. But um, just there's a few... Oh, a few different things inspire me, I suppose. So I'm, I really like well-made, consistent beers, but I also like getting more into, I suppose, Belgian um, wild fermented beers and stuff like that, which really interests me, like more traditional old-world beers. Um, so they really inspire me, and I like, they're really hard to make, so just um, I've got a lot to learn now, I suppose, but... Um, like mucking around with it quite a bit. So, um, but in terms of beers that are made, oh yeah, like little creatures, I suppose. Like they, they don't, they really inspired me at the time. I think I tried their beer at the at the Great Britain Hotel when I was first on tap, and that kind of blew me away. It was the first time I'd had it really super fresh, and it was really awesome and show what good craft beer could be, I suppose, back in those days. How about you, Aaron? What what What's your beer journey been like? What's been your inspiration? Uh, a lot of the similar things, really. A lot of the those big guys in the Australian scene, yeah, Creatures Pale Ale, a few Matilda Bays beers. Um, I've always, my personality likes making things. It's how I enjoy things, basically. So if I really enjoy... I really enjoyed beer, so therefore I wanted to make it myself. I did the same, I do the same thing with um, I built some drums and things as well, but 
yeah, big passion, really just wanted to make it. So drinking a fresh creature's pale ale back when I was a lot younger just made me want to go, yeah, let's try and do that. Now, now you met when you were brewing at uh, White Rabbit Brewery in Hillsville, uh, when it was uh, still in Hillsville. How was that? What what was it like working for a brewery like that that is was still part of a much bigger operation but was willing to try you know things that weren't conventional at that day, like the open fermenters? Um, you know, what, what did you learn working in a brewery like that? Um, uh, basically, we learned good how to good processes, but they're really um, strict about their um, good practice, so clean, cleanliness, um, taking good measurements and tracking ferments and all that sort of stuff. So it's just learning how to make good quality beer, I suppose, and repeating it. So um, And doing it efficiently, I suppose, rather than mucking them about too much. So, yeah, yeah we, it was a really good spot to learn how how to make good quality craft beer over and over. And having the fermenters was a bit decadent, really, like spending a lot of time in a brewery where you can actually get in there and watch a ferment and see what a ferment's doing at any given time was, yeah, pretty lucky. And I'm, yeah, pretty thankful about that. So, Aaron, your background was uh, Hargraves Hill and Ben, yours, uh, Red Hill, both of which, I guess, fairly similar in that they were uh, fairly small operations. Do you think as a, I guess, as a trainee brewer, and, and Ben, you've also, I'm pretty sure you've done the um, the now Federation Uni course, but when you actually get onto the tools, if you like, and you're working in that a small kind of unit, is, is that good for, for up-and-coming brewers to get that experience to then transfer that to a bigger system or knowing what you now know about working on a bigger system like the White Rabbit gear, is it better to learn the processes on a big one and then you can do it on... Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, which which way do you think is, is ideal? I think we've been quite lucky having both sides of that coin because I think the two perspectives really complement each other. Like, working at a, a lot smaller brewery, there's not the resources that you would have working for a large company and you, you still need to get things done and you still need to do them to as best practice as you can. But... Also working at a at a large brewery with decent backing and some serious equipment, you get to, you know, operate at best practice. So, yeah, it's good to have both. And then I guess now our challenge is to merge the two as much as we can and, yeah, try and find the middle ground where we can, you know, produce quality beer, basically. And so What's River Brewing is the, the new project, uh, now, was that born out of the fact that they literally sold the brewery out from under you, or was it a case of, of, of I guess, being ready and wanting to to break away and go and do your own thing anyway? Um, it was yeah, both, really. So I think both of our aims were to one day own our own brewery, but um, having White Rabbit move out of Hills, on us, um, sort of forced our hand on it. Um, so, but... Yeah, it created, created an opportunity. It's left a hole in the market out of here, which we can hopefully fill. Um, and so it was just, it was, in a way, we were a little frustrated by them moving, but it was it's probably going to work out the best for us because it's, it's kind of forced us to do something that we always planned to do. 
And how important is the um, last episode? We were talking to, to Ben Krause, and and it's it's that's Bridge Road Brewers is very much sort of intrinsically linked to Beechworth and all, every drop that that they produce. Um, comes out of there and that sort of thing. How important is is the Hillsville or that Yarra Valley kind of region uh, for you guys as part of your, I guess, you know, brand identity? I think it's immensely important because it's it's where we've spent a lot of time brewing and working on our craft and being, you know, existing in the local community. Ben lives here in Hillsville. I don't live too far away. So we're very linked to this site, but we're also, we want to be very honest about where our beer comes from. So if you look at any of our bottle stock, you'll notice that it says at the moment that it's brewed in Moorabbin and it'll say Cheers Gus on there so you know that it's at, our bottle stock at the moment isn't coming out of Hillsville but we want to be really straight up about that. And what led you to you guys are obviously locals and it was the desire to stay in, in your community that led you to uh, not move with the brewery when they moved down to Geelong? Yeah, so, well, I've lived in Hillsville since White Rabbit opened, basically. We bought a house here, and it's a great community out here. So there's a really good uh, local, yeah, the local community is great. So we've got the wine culture, we've got the old traditional country folk here, and and pretty much you can go and have a, there's, there's um, a few pubs here, so you can just head down and you'll always, meet up with someone that you know so it's really a great community and and bustling on the weekend when you've got all the tourists coming in so um yeah i love it out here so didn't really want to move so you're in the process of building what river brewery or is it what's or what river brewery what's river brewery what um what's and how far away are you from that i know you were waiting for planning approval towards the end of last year well we ordered a brew house middle of last week so we're we're getting there. Congratulations! Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just and, in the moment. Um, yeah, so that's been ordered. So we'll do some talks with our production just to get it where we want it, and yeah, hopefully get it on the water and into Hillsville soon. And, and who did you get your plant through? Through Tiantai in China. The, um, the Black Ops guys up north were really helpful in you know hooking us up with them. We've talked to a couple, a couple of other brewers that have got equipment off them and they, yeah, they seem really good and they've been really helpful so far. And, and talk us through, what, how big have you gone? What, what are you uh, setting up with? Well, so, so we're starting off small so we can knock out a lot of different things to begin with. But So first we're going to have a, a 500 litre brewery, three vessel system and um, with a heap of single and double tanks that we can brew into. And for those who haven't uh, clocked onto your Facebook page or checked out your social media, what are the, the what's the core range? What can we expect to see um, from What's River Brewing? So at the moment, we've got a, a blonde, an IPA and a stout out on the market. And once we get our own brewery, we're going to expand that range and do a bit more, I don't know, a bit more left field stuff. So we'll... Do as our fourth beer, our plan is to do a Brett beer. Um, and then we're also going to have a barrel program, which we've already started. So we've got, I think we've got seven barrels at the moment. Um, so it's quite small. But our plan is to, um, once we get our smaller breweries, just do a lot more single releases and go into the more Brett, wild ferment and barrel stuff. 
Talking about, um, there's a lot of interest in in styles at the moment, and uh, I hear you say blonde. What blonde's one of those words that you know, has been a little bit debauched by the whole low carb beer, and then a lot of people are sort of calling beers blonde just on a purely descriptive basis. Talk us through, you know, what's a blonde beer to you, or what is your blonde beer? So our blonde beer to us came from when we were just beginning to figure out what our our core range would be to begin with and we were just talking about what we wanted out of each of the beers and the main thing that kept coming up was we wanted a light blonde ale to be one of our beers and I suppose we talked about it a lot, we could have called it a golden ale, we could have called it a summer ale, I think very loosely we even called it, could have called it a pale ale maybe but we we decided to just keep our labelling simple so it was just sort of straight up just kind of like we are. And we just went, we've just been calling it A-Blonde Beer, so let's just keep calling it A-Blonde Beer. And guys, in keeping with that, is it, or is that almost in keeping, I guess, with if you were a, a brewery in Brunswick East and in the, sort of the, the, the epicentre of hipster territory, um, that might have different connotations. Is there a bit of an element of, I guess, you know, uh, the more rural, uh, you know, almost regional but, but still close to the suburbs? Is there a, a feeling that you not need to keep things simple but that it is easier to, I guess, um, tailor your marketing of your beers towards the... Uh, who, who are, at the end of the day, are going to be your loyal um, customers? Um, you're cutting in and out, in and out of it. Then um, I think you were saying that we're going to make our beers aimed towards our customers. Um, basically, yeah, we want to we want to have a core range that are accessible, easy to drink, and um, are definitely aimed at the craft market. Um, so, um, but down the track, we'll have a greater range, and we'll definitely branch out into other stuff like we'll do some paddock to glass stuff so we've got I grew up on a barley farm as I mentioned and so we've got some barley from there and we'll create some beers from barley that we've grown ourselves and all that sort of stuff so um yeah I suppose we'll have a core range which is easy to drink accessible appealing to everyone um to some degree and then we'll just go from there I suppose it's interesting to hear you talk about um, balance, sessionable, quality. These are all words that, on one hand, are sort of used in, in breweries like uh, Little Creatures and uh, White Rabbit, um, and they're only starting to spread into here some guys who you know, maybe came up through the homebrew ranks and set up their, their, their own breweries because, uh, you know, again, going back five, six, seven years, it was all about, you know, it... it wowing people um, with quality and things like consistency, you know, wowing people with flavour and things like consistency and some of those things were probably less important. How much do you think of you as being shaped by, you know, coming up through uh, breweries like uh, White Rabbit? Oh, I think our approach has been shaped quite a bit by working at Rabbit. I don't think it's... I don't think we're restricted to that sort of approach because we've come from there. I think it's just something that we value because it's made up quite a large amount of our production history and probably a large amount of our tasting history as well um, in a professional sense. So I think it's something we, we do value, but, you know, as part of the craft scene and as you know, brewers that love brewing, we do want to branch out from that as well. 
What, what's the plan with uh, Watch, River's Brewery, Watch River Brewery? Are you going to stay fairly local or uh, you know, you're looking at being a regional brewery and distribu- distributing down into Melbourne or is it very much just a, a local Heels thing and Heelsville thing and trying to become the, the, the beer of choice in the area? Uh, we definitely want to... Well, we're already in, in most of the bars and bottle shops in Heelsville, so we want to be known as a Heelsville Yarra Valley brewery, but we definitely want to get into the... In, into Melbourne and and even Greater Victoria, I suppose, and haven't really even thought too much about venturing beyond that because um, I think it's best to concentrate on local first, and then if you can do that, well, then we'll just see where it goes. And it's just a little bit of a side note, but uh, when I wrote my piece about um, about language and how we perhaps need to hold fire on social media sniping and that sort of thing, and uh, Ben was actually the one who who pointed out to me that um, all this time when I because one of my real bugbears, as you know, Matt, is is using literally when you mean you know figuratively, actually, uh, or, or actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Ben very kindly pointed out to me that um, I should be prepared to um, be shot with um, balls of rolled up dictionary papers because the Oxford has actually allowed um, the, the the slack usage or the common usage of literally to not mean literally, which I still disagree with. But thanks for pointing that out, Ben. <laughs> Overruled. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just someone else told me that a while back. So I'm, yeah, I'm I'm pretty loose with like um, um, I suppose social media. I, I think we just have to roll with it from that point of view. And we cop criticism and that, but we just we just got to take the good with the bad. And overall, if you make good beers, you'll get more good good reviews, basically. So, but yeah. Um, so social social media is obviously a, a pretty important, uh, and we don't want to speak about Heelsville as if it's this kind of you know detached you know sort of out in the. It's it's as I say it's it's pretty close to it's the gateway to the Arrow Valley if you like, and it's a springboard to a lot of different areas throughout sort of country Victoria if you like. Um, but is that a, an important element for you guys um, in terms of getting the the message out and and strengthening your brand? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's. Oh, these days it's pretty critical, especially like the the craft beer punter is pretty social media savvy. So if you ignore it, well, um, you're losing quite a bit of, um, I suppose, getting the word out there. So um, we spend quite a bit of time on social media, although we're probably not the best at it, but we we try to get what we're doing up on social media to let people know what we're doing and we try to interact with people as much as we can. So I guess the big question is where can people find your beers now? If anyone's interested in looking for our beers, they can head to our website. We've got an awesome beer finder that our good friend built into our website so they can check it out then. We try and keep that really up to date. But if, you know, anyone walks into a bottle shop and can't find a beer, it'd be great if they could ask for it. And for those perhaps in um, in other states who might be venturing into Melbourne during Good Beer Week, uh, have you guys got anything planned? Will, will we be able to get a hold of your stuff then? For Good Beer Week, we've got um, we're going to have a stand at Gabs, I, I believe, and we will be available in some bottle shops. So you look at our beer finder, but we'll do a bit of. We've got a couple of barrels on the go, which we plan to have out and about for Good Beer Week. Um, so hopefully they will be available then as well. So some Brett Barrel beer. 
Terrific, guys. Well, we look forward to catching up uh, during Good Beer Week and down at uh, Gabs. Um, Aaron Malmborg and Ben Hamilton, thank you very much for joining us and all the best with Watch River Brewing. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. There we go, Prof. Yeah, um, great, great. Look, I love, um, I, I, I love the aspect, uh, and I know that I've focused on it a little bit, but you know, going back twenty years, because a lot of the guys that we speak to these days are in that, you know, post craft beer world. You know, they, they've come to craft beer when it was called craft beer, um, and have been surrounded by choice and surrounded by things. And I, I, I can't help but think that. People who have come to craft beer in the last four or five years, um, you know, having that choice, they they don't quite have that same framework for what it was like ten years ago or fifteen years ago when, you know, yeah, we weren't spoiled yep. for choice, and and, and that, do, that does colour their expectations, and and that's just very true of of, of anything, you know. Um, if you don't know what it was like, you know, my grandmother had a very very different attitude to money than. Uh, my mother and I in, in turn I do because she was a child of the depression and you had to be in the depression to understand just how hard it was mm. um, yep. not saying that 10 years ago uh, we were in the equivalent of a beer depression but yeah it, it was it, it was a fascinating to hear that they just sort of the way that they uh, they the, the old school home brewing yeah and I guess nowadays there are a lot of there are many home brewers who get into it because they want to perfect a Bavarian style Hefeweizen, or they want to, you know, I want, I want to do a really good Czech Pilsner, or I want to do a, you know, a a, a North, you know, a Yorkshire style, um, you know, bitter or whatever it might be. Whereas, uh, yeah, before it was like, let's just work out how this beer thing, you know, how it all works, and you know, and then work out why we, you know, when we make one that's nice and drinkable, what we did to achieve that, uh, and then you kind of get into brewing as a result of that, but without any. I guess preconceptions about, uh, and I'm not saying that they all do it now, but I'm sure there are plenty of homebrewers out there who are going. One of these days, I'm going to have a beer, and I'm going to have an XPA, and I'm going to have a pale, and I'm going to have a an IPA and a and a stout. That's going to be my core range. Like it, you know, it, it, it it's more organic, I guess, going back pre little creatures. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, it it's an evolution. Uh, you know, the, the the craft beer environment isn't fixed in one static position, so it's constantly evolving. I do have to make mention to, uh, I haven't, I haven't uh, physically caught up with uh, with Ben for a little while now, but he certainly did sport the most amazing, and not even mutton chops, like these are prime um, pork cutlet, um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, what are they called? Sideburns. So it's just very, you know, it's, it's very kind of unhipster. It's, it's, it's almost, you expect to, you know, see the, the uh, little um, bit of wheat hanging out the corner of the mouth, and oh, each is a fine uh, harvest for this year. <laughs> so it was interesting that like... it comes from the farming, you know, a farming background and that sort of thing. It was uh, so it was a nice little serendipity. 
It wasn't but us. Certainly very unhipsterish, which is which which I guess leads to my point that I I, I brought up with Ben about the, uh, um, I guess how you how you present, um, and it's you know the the bearded hipster brewer is very prevalent, but it, I, I don't know that it would work necessarily out in uh, in Hillsville. I think you know the the guys are keeping it real for for the, for that market. Now, mailbag, not too much. Didn't have any reviews on uh, iTunes during the week. Remember, listeners, help us out if you like what we do, if you are a regular listener. And the traffic is certainly increasing, Prof. There's a lot to be said for being regular. Yeah, um, that's good. So, wonderful. So, uh, But if you are one of our regular or even one of our casual listeners, um, help us out. Jump on your favourite podcasting platform and leave a review, um, good, bad or indifferent, um, and leave a comment. You'll get the joy of hearing Pete and I uh, discuss it uh, on an upcoming episode, and but you'll also get the satisfaction that comes with helping us out uh, doing what we do. And, and let, um, us, let us know too, listeners, if there's a, a brewer that we should know about, or if there's someone you think has an interesting story to tell, uh, or you know, there's somebody that uh, we haven't spoken to for a while, or there's a, an issue that you'd like discussed, tap it out and, um, and send it off to us. Or if you're one of the people who's taken umbrage at something that I've posted on social media during the week, former Q. Feel <laughs> former Q, yes. Um, apart from that, not too much in the well. We we did a lot of the discussion uh, early on in the intro um, about things, uh, you know, comments. We didn't get any specific uh, emails either, um, and certainly no phone calls. But listeners, don't forget uh, on the website there is a number that you can call if you'd like to hear your own tones uh, on the podcast. Um, otherwise, the number is. 0730401508 you can leave a number and we will replay that on an upcoming episode um, now when we let's see what are, what date are we today today is the 10th of march no, uh, 9th of march so so this will go out on the 11th of march um, which will be one week shy of the good beer week calendar you know, program launch so launch, yeah. Uh, mark that in your calendars, listeners. There is a fantastic program event shaping up. A lot of things that are going to sell out very, very quickly. So if I was you, I would uh, mark that in your calendars and hit the calendar, the calendar as soon as you can. Uh, hit the site as soon as it goes up so you can start booking your tickets. Uh, nothing else we need to... No other shout-outs or anything, Prof, no, for, for you this week? No, no one's good. No one's had a word in your ear complaining about me this week? Nah, keep that to myself. Unless it's, you know, oh, really? so I save them all up for a special episode. No, no, no <laughs> nothing at all. Not this week. Not, not this week. But, but then I didn't get out much. Prof, maybe we should introduce a new segment where you take a, um, like you just sort of record some of these uh, sort of comments and, and you play them to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Name the disgruntled listener. Bag Matt. <laughs> No, just, and I, I have to say, yes, yeah, a little bit of like a blind tasting of beers. I need to sort of uh, work out who I've upset and how I've managed right, to do yeah, it. Yep, yeah, done. <laughs> okay, prop. Uh, well, look, without any further ado, uh, we'll see everyone who is in Sydney coming to the podcast on Sunday. Um, otherwise, we look forward to chatting with you next week, listeners. Strike up the band, Lockie. <laughs>
and we're out.